Welcome to episode 84 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, if necessity is the mother of invention, then nature is the maternity ward. Then on today's top five list, we'll share the five types of YouTubers that you should check out before your next trip. On the Summit Gear Review, one of the 10 essentials just became a little more compact. Next on the Backpack Hack of the Week, a zero gram trail game that will keep everyone entertained around the campfire. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a guy who looks a lot like Henry David Thoreau. Nope, wait, no, that is Henry David Thoreau. Uh, uh, no, don't even, don't even. Uh, it just encourages me. Uh-oh. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. It was less of a laugh and more of a croak, perhaps. (laughs) We quote him so much. I mean, he's very quotable. Good guy. He is so great. Yeah. He spent a lot of time in nature. Yeah. And a lot of time writing quotes. Writing about it. Yeah. Just writing quotes for us. Thanks, Henry. Yeah. Let's just say he's one of those guys that goes by his full first, middle, and last name. Right. Henry David Thoreau. Yeah. I mean, Henry Thoreau just doesn't sound right. H.D. Thoreau. No. No. Hank. The Honorable. Henry D. Thoreau III. Well, I don't want to wait till the end for our trail wisdom. I mean, we can say it again at the end because it's so relevant to what we're talking about this episode. He said, It is the marriage of the soul with nature that makes the intellect fruitful and gives birth to imagination. Uh, He knew from experience that being out in nature sparked his creativity. This is something that I've definitely felt as we've spent more time outdoors over the last few years. Back in April, Josh and I were on an episode of this more outdoor podcast. One of the things that we talked about was creativity and how being outdoors boosts your creativity. And I felt that. And that was one of the things that I shared in this interview was that I felt a surge of creativity when I spent time outdoors. So we want to share a little clip from that uh, interview, which is episode 56 of the S'more Outdoor podcast, because it really hits the nail on the head about creativity in nature. I experience a huge surge in creativity when I spend time outdoors. So that's my nature effect. Like when I go outside and I am in this new environment and I'm seeing things that I've never seen before and experiencing things that are not temperature controlled and, you know, regulated and everything, either on the trail or after I leave, I have this surge of creativity. And I think being outdoors clears away stagnant ideas. It helps me experience life new again. And the outdoors is so uh, unpredictable and erratic. And so you have thoughts that you've never had before. Whereas if you just stay indoors all day, you're going to be surrounded by the same four walls that are painted the same color, and you're not going to have the creative flow that you would have if you were outdoors. And it's funny that this creative surge happens if I'm backpacking or if I'm just sitting in a park bench watching my kids play at a park. 
both. It doesn't have to be this huge outdoor experience. It can be something really small and simple. After that interview, a listener pointed out a study that Stanford did in 2014. The title of the study was Stanford Study Finds Walking Improves Creativity. They did some experiments in the study to measure creativity. So, for example, they would do, um, you know, concept associations and things like that, where they would give someone a concept and ask them to come up with a creative new connection for that concept. And they could measure whether or not it was, quote unquote, creative uh, by comparing it to the answers that other people gave. You know, if, if a bunch of people gave the same answer, it wasn't considered creative. That's the gist of it. I'm kind of watering it down. But they saw that walking created this huge creativity boost. I mean, it was like 60% or even doubling the amount of creativity just from 15 minutes of walking. Now, incidentally, they looked at outdoor walking versus indoor walking, and they found both to be beneficial for creativity. Now, in a study done recently by the Leglers, (laughs) where one of us went outside on a 15-minute walk. Um, I, I, I wanted to put this little, this little study to the test. And so I went outside and I had an idea in mind of what the direction that I wanted my creativity to go. There's an event coming up soon. I'll be doing girls camp again this summer. And I wanted to write a song specifically for the girls at girls camp. So I went out on this walk wanting to have a surge of creativity so that I could come back and really pound out this song. And it worked. Halfway through my walk, I had five words come into my head that I felt were going to be very important in this song. And those five words were strong, kind, brave, beautiful, and wise. So I wrote down those five words on my piece of paper because I never go anywhere without a piece of paper and a pencil. Yeah, you got to capture those ideas. And then by the time I was rounding the corner and coming closer to home, I started developing a melody to go along with, uh, with these words and kind of the just little tiny inklings of a first melody for the verse. But I felt like the chorus was kind of solidifying. And so I got home and the rest of the day I spent pounding out the song. And by that evening, the song was finished. And the Stanford study points out that uh, walking does not give a boost in technical thinking, in the, or they call it focused thinking. So it's this combination. That few minutes of being outside walking gave you the creativity that you needed to develop that kernel of an idea. And then, yeah, you didn't spend the rest of the day trying to walk while trying to write notes on paper at the same time. Yeah, that would have been pretty distracting. Yeah. So then you were focused just like sitting in your room, working out, I I would say, almost the mathematics of the music, working that out and getting it down on paper. But the creativity, that initial kernel of the idea came from being outside and walking. And one of the ideas that I brought out in this More Outdoor podcast was that it was the outdoor time that fueled that creativity for me and that I always came away with um, a surge of creativity. And it didn't matter if I was just sitting outdoors watching my kids play in a park or if I was on a backpacking trip. Combining the two, you know, being outside and then walking gives you this ultra surge of creativity, which is what backpacking is, outdoors and walking. I think incredible things happen when you combine the two. Not only does being outside boost your creativity, 
I feel like being outside demands creativity, which is one of the reasons why we have a backpack hack of the week, because we'll go out on these trips and our creativity is put to the test. And so we'll come home with all these ideas that we've tested and tried, and then we share them on the backpack hack of the week. And I think it's also interesting to note that a lot of the people that Josh and I connect with through this podcast are highly creative people. And it kind of got me thinking, are these people highly creative because they spend time outdoors or are outdoorsy type people naturally drawn to creative activities? I don't know, but I feel like I also want to reframe the concept of creativity a little bit. We think of creativity oftentimes in terms of, uh, let me say, like the talent show line of thinking, that you go to a talent show and you're seeing music and dancing, these performance arts. If you're like me, you think, well, I don't have any talents. I don't have anything that I would be up on the stage for. You know, I mean, you can't tap dance. Yeah, but reframe that Uh, just because you don't have talents that are performance talents or art talents. It doesn't mean that you don't use creativity every day. So I use creativity when I uh, work on developing a data standard or designing a database, you know, in my day job. And that is not the kind of thing that would be presented on a stage at a talent show. It would be extremely boring (laughs) to the audience, but it requires creativity. It's just a different form of creativity than, say, composing a song, you know, or painting a picture. But that doesn't mean it's any less creative in in its nature. Oh, we all have everyday creativity needs, like even just running out of an ingredient when you're making breakfast. You know, you're out of cheddar cheese that you were going to put inside your omelet, but you see the cottage cheese on the shelf and you think, "Hmm, maybe, maybe, you know, it's making the leap from one idea that's maybe the more acceptable idea to another idea that no one has ever done before or you've never done before. Right. And so we run into those same kinds of challenges in our day-to-day work. And for me, taking some time to be outside and walking, which like you said, that's what backpacking is. It's walking outside. That gives me that opportunity to tap into some creativity that helps me respond to issues or challenges that I may be facing in my work. Even though it's a, you know, a really technical kind of work, there's still this need for creative approaches to how I do it. And, you know, I love just being out backpacking where, especially if you can go for several days in a row, you really have nothing you have to think about other than putting one foot in front of the other. And so it frees up your mind to start those creative juices flowing and to start brewing ideas and really kind of thinking through things that maybe in your day-to-day life, you just don't have enough time to really give those things the thought that they need. I think you're 100% right, Josh. Creativity isn't just about tap dancing or songwriting. Creativity comes wrapped in a lot of different labels, I guess. So there's ideas, there's problem solving, there's unlikely connections, then there's just the plain old cobweb sweeping, you know, getting rid of all the stale old ideas. There's seeing clearly, and then there's complexities that become simplified. And all of this happens when you're out on the trail. For today's top five list, the top five types of YouTubers that backpackers can learn from. So why are we sharing this? Because we believe that you can learn something from everyone. And these people that we're going to talk about today also love the outdoors. 
and they may have insight or gear hacks or you may even decide to branch off from backpacking and find a new passion or interest through some of these types of people that we're going to talk about. And most of these five types of YouTubers may be a little bit different than you, but they have something to say that applies to backpacking. The number one type of YouTuber that backpackers can learn from are the bushcrafters. These are hardcore guys and gals who can go out into the forest with a camo tarp, a knife, some flint and steel, and a canteen and have a really great time. So they're a wealth of info when it comes to survival, you know, like finding the edible plants or setting up a shelter when you don't have anything. And for them, it's not so much about, you know, the weight of things or the packability of their gear. It seems like it's more about how to do with what you have. And as you watch some of these bushcrafters, you'll see they just get an adrenaline rush from being in a survival situation. In fact, that's their, it seems like that's their dream vacation is to be dropped off in the middle of the woods, just a few things. And they have this real survivalist mentality. And they may have had some military training. It seems like there's um, a lot of people that are drawn to bushcrafting that have some military background. But there are also people in bushcrafting that enjoy the pioneering type activities like knots and building things with rope or twine. But bushcrafters will, will have some great recommendations on fire starting, um, on knives, and on water collection and purification. One of the bushcrafters that we like to follow is Paul Kirtley. Uh, he's in the UK and has a great series of uh, videos called Ask Paul Kirtley. They're just these short video segments, just a few minutes long, covering a bushcraft skill. The number two type of YouTuber that backpackers can learn from are the ultralight backpackers. And they actually get their own category because while they may look like traditional old backpackers, they have one goal in mind, and that is to go as light as possible, either by reducing the weight of individual pieces of gear or by completely eliminating unnecessary items. It's an extreme and exciting thought for beginners. And you can learn a lot from ultralight backpackers. There are some great YouTubers out there that will share all of their tips. They'll dump out their pack and show you every little toothpick and piece of floss that goes into their pack. You know, there's a third way that they reduce their weight, uh, which is by redefining the question. So. For example, food doesn't count and water doesn't count. Fuel doesn't count. And fuel. <laughs> yeah, so most of them are aiming, it seems like 8 to 10 pounds is their base weight. And then they add in the food, the fuel, the water, which bumps it up to maybe like 20. They're extracting all the weight out of the things that they bring. So they bring an ultralight tent and an ultralight sleeping bag and an ultralight pack and so on. And that can get expensive, of course, to buy the lightest thing on the market uh, for each of those. But at the same time, I think beginners can learn a lot from them because you can get this realization that uh, maybe you don't need as much stuff as you thought you needed to go take your first backpacking trip. And I think most ultralight backpackers will tell you there is a right way and a wrong way to approach ultralight backpacking. They would never want you to put your safety at risk. The number three type of YouTuber that backpackers can learn from are the preppers. These people are 
awesome because they are so prepared. They're prepared for everything. They're prepared for government shutdown, zombie takeover, end of the world, massive earthquake, whatever it is, they are ready. And a lot of them put together something called a bug out bag. And that's a three day supply of food and water. So I would say their motto is plan for the worst, hope for the best. So these people would be great people to take with you out on a backpacking trip because they're going to be ready for anything. They focus a lot on food, water, and fuel, similar to backpackers. And I guess the difference would be is they also tend to focus on ammunition and firearms, which is not a huge focus for us. But you can still learn a lot from prepper channels on YouTube. The fourth type of YouTuber that backpackers can learn from is the history buffs. These are the people that do the reenactments, whether it's the Revolutionary War or the Civil War. Uh, They have these similar constraints to backpackers that they have to worry about food preservation and food preparation during these enactments and, and, you know, doing it how people did it a couple hundred years ago. The area where we live in the Willamette Valley of Oregon uh, was first settled by French fur trappers working for the Hudson's Bay Company. And they get together every year for a reenactment of uh, a gathering of fur trappers, a rendezvous. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So they have a rendezvous and they all bring out, you know, the black powder rifles and the old time tents and cookware and everything that the trappers would have had. It's just fascinating to see how they lived. No Pop-Tarts or Snickers. That's just taboo. Right. None of that. And the types of food that they ate and the way they prepared it is so interesting. One of my favorite shows that I discovered by accident is an 1805 Primitive American Cooking Channel. And it's done by James Townsend and Son. He makes the most interesting food and it's all stuff that's authentic from that era. So definitely check out the historical buffs. We'll have the link to James Townsend and Son in our show notes. And you may find something interesting that you can cook on your next backpacking trip. The number five type of YouTubers that backpackers can learn from are the glamping campers. Stay with us on this one. (laughs) If you're already into backpacking, then you have the outdoor basics. And other people in your family may not be completely on board with backpacking. They may not even be cool with car camping. And so glamping might just be that bridge that will help other members of your family to get outdoors, have a little more comfort, a few more amenities, some running water, some nice bedding maybe. Pink flamingos. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) But with glamping, more is provided. So you'll have maybe a tent or a yurt or a cabin. And um, a lot of times bedding is included and other things, maybe a gift shop, depending on where (laughs) you stay. But, you know, it's a really great option for a family reunion or for, you know, a special trip. If you get your family together and do the glamping, it may give you an opportunity to do some side shoot trips with your family and create some of those really great memories that you want to have, you know, as a backpacker, but you may not have the opportunity to take your family along with. You can still have some of those great, great memorable moments. Another reason why glamping might be something to kind of look at, you know, it's not the end goal. It's a vehicle to get you to the next destination. But um, if you have loved the outdoors in the past, but you're really struggling with health issues or other things that make it really difficult to get out and stay out, 
then glamping allows you to enjoy being outside and still get the benefits without having some of the risks that come with being in a remote location. As humans, we tend to spend a lot of time with people who think the same way that we do. We select our friends and our networks and the things that we watch and listen to based on our own ideology and our own values. We find others who match that ideology, who match those values, and, and we connect with them. If you go to the YouTube channels of anyone on this top five list, and you're not that type yourself, so for example, you're not a bushcrafter, or you're not a prepper or a glamper, is a glamper someone who goes glamping? They glamp? I'm not going to label. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. I guess glampers is right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they glamp. Anyway, if you're not that type, you'll actually feel some culture shock as you watch their YouTube videos. And I would say that's a good thing. You're going to expose yourself to people who think differently than you do. And when you expose yourself to those people, then you can begin to understand how they think and understand what's important to them in their lives. And I just think it's so important to have that diversity and that understanding of how other people think and how they approach life. Yeah, and while all of these people are so different, we all have one thing in common. And I love that, that we all love the outdoors. And you're going to learn something from each of these types of YouTubers that you can apply to your backpacking adventures. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing Popticals. Popticals are high-performance sports sunglasses that collapse down beyond the normal sunglasses. They collapse down to fit in your pocket. So weight isn't the only issue for backpackers to consider when purchasing gear. We also give really good consideration to volume and collapsibility of our gear. So if you think about it, a lot of backpacking gear collapses down. Tents are the primary piece of gear that we use that collapse down for easy storage. Inflatable sleeping pads, those shrink down to the size of an algae. Josh and I have a small wood-burning backpacking stove that flattens out and can fit inside of an envelope. I have a soft-sided water bottle that can be rolled up and stowed away when not needed. So a lot of things collapse down, and that makes for a really nice, slim, low-profile pack. So I guess it's a natural fit to take one of the 10 essentials, like sunglasses, and collapse that down too. So Poptical frames completely collapse. So the part that goes over your ear, that folds in half and then folds in again. And then the two lenses are on a micro rail system, you know, where the nose piece is, the bridge of the nose. You unassemble or you pull the frames apart there, and then they slide across this rail and so the frames collapse onto each other. Yeah, when you first handed the glasses to me, I just kind of stared at them for a minute, wondering how to collapse them. I thought, well, maybe I, you know, I mean, it was clear that you pull them apart at the bridge. And then after that, I was like, okay, now do I fold them? And then you showed me. And once you showed me, I was like, oh, wow, this is so simple. Um, because you, you pull them apart at the bridge, and then they just slide towards each other. So one lens just slides right behind the other lens. They're just nested together. And then when you're ready to put them on, they slide apart again and a magnet attaches the connecting pieces in the bridge of the frames. So it's really easy to put them back together. And the entire micro rail system is made from corrosion and rust proof materials. The frame is made of 
something called Grillamid TR90, which is a homopolyamide nylon. Wow. Impressive. Well, let me tell you more. Okay. Um, it's actually a nylon that is extremely bendable. It has a low density and a high resistance to chemical and UV damage, which sounds like the perfect material for sunglasses. Popticals have Zeiss lenses. Uh, Zeiss is a German company, an, an optics company that's been around since the mid-1800s. It's one of the oldest existing optics manufacturing companies with just a string of innovations in lens manufacturing and design. Incidentally, our Sony RX100 that we reviewed a few episodes ago uh, uses a Carl Zeiss lens. As far as utility goes, popticals filter out 100% of the sun's UVA and UVB rays, and because they are wraparound sunglasses, it also blocks the light from entering in through the sides. The lenses on popticals are also polarized, which means you won't get glare off of a trickling mountain stream or your bald friend's head. As far as mass goes, popticals weigh one ounce, and the sunglasses come with a carrying case. It's like a hard-bodied carrying case. So with the carrying case and the popticals, that weighs 2.1 ounces. Now, if you want to live dangerously, the sunglasses also come with a soft fabric pouch. So you can ditch the hard case altogether and kind of lighten up your load. But these are pretty nice sunglasses. And so it's you want to protect your investment. So I guess... You could carry them just in the soft fabric pouch, but I don't know if I would recommend that. As far as maintenance goes, Popticals uses a special technology that makes the lenses repellent to dirt, oil, dust, and water. They're also scratch resistant and extremely impact and fracture resistant, which is a great combination for rough trail conditions. Those are really nice features to have. And they claim on their website that the lenses themselves can absorb the impact of a steel ball traveling at a speed of 100 miles per hour. So if a baseball pitcher threw a steel baseball... A steel baseball? Uh, I don't know how big of a steel ball. This is probably not something that you should test out or try. They could still injure you, but I guess it's nice to know that at least they won't shatter the lenses of your glasses, which would cause even more injury. The soft bag that the Popticals come with also doubles as a cleaning cloth for the lenses. As far as investment goes, these glasses come in at $199, which is why you probably want to keep your Popticals in the hard case to protect them. For trial, we noticed that these sunglasses fold up really easily once you learn their little micro rail system. And the carrying case that the Popticals come in it's different from just a regular sunglasses case in that it floats, which is a really great feature, but also it fits completely in your pocket. Here in the Northwest, we joke about buying a new pair of sunglasses every summer because we only use them for a few days a year and then we lose them. But these are sunglasses that you definitely will not want to lose. So I would say these popticals are a big step up from the DIY free sunglasses <laughs> that we shared in episode five. So if you want to check out that backpack hack, just go to episode five. If you want real sunglasses for performance, you're going to use them a lot, then Popticals are a great way to go. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have a trail game for you. So a few weeks ago, my brother and sister called me and they said, 
We have the funnest game for you. In fact, we want you to include it on your show. It is so much fun. We play it for hours. We play it on car drives. We play it during dinner. It's so much fun. So this is the perfect game to play once you get to camp, you've pitched your tent, you've lit a little fire, and you're just kind of wondering what to do next. This game is called Contact, and it's a guessing game. So what I would do is I would think of a secret word that I want Josh to guess, and I'm going to tell him what letter it starts with. So the first letter is Z. So what Josh is going to do, instead of guessing what my word is, he's going to say something like, Is it a lens manufacturer? And I will say, no, it is not Zeiss. So if I was correct, then he has to ask me another question. If I guess incorrectly and I say, no, it's not Zolotar, he would say, no, that wasn't what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Zeiss then I would have to give him the next letter in my word. And he's trying to guess my word the whole time. So you ready for the next one? You're gonna yeah, and I was me? just going to say, so if I guess, you know, is it a black and white striped animal? That's pretty much a wasted question because you're going to say, no, it's not a zebra. You're going to know exactly what I was asking about. So my job is to try to ask a question that is somewhat, I guess, uh, veiled or obscure or creative enough for you to not really clue in what word I was thinking, because then I can extract the next letter of your word out of you. And until I've gotten the next letter of your word out of you, I could be asking a million questions and never get anywhere. You ready for the next question? Okay, so it's a word that starts with Z. Correct. And it's not Zeiss. And now I'm worried that maybe it is a zebra. <laughs> now that I've said, I would never guess zebra. Cause... <laughs> anyway. Um, is it someone who studies animals? No, it is not a zoologist. Mm, that was too easy. Huh? Is it nothing? No, it is not zero. Mm. Um, is it where our son is going on his field trip? No, it is not the zoo. Yeah, that was an easy one. Oh, man. Okay. Is it a black and white striped animal? No, it is not a zebra. Okay. I got to come up with something to reveal another letter. Is it fast? So I can't think of what Josh is trying to get me to guess. And so he can say contact three, two, one, and say the word. And usually if you're playing with a third person, you, you would say that and you would both look at each other. And if you say it together, then the person has to reveal yeah, the next that, letter. That third person legitimizes my question by, you know, by proving that they knew what I was asking about. Because otherwise, I could ask a question so obscure that nobody would ever get it and force you to reveal a new letter. So it's okay to play with two people, but with a third person, then you have that way to kind of uh, verify that the question was legit. <laughs> and so the other person and I could say, contact, three, two, one, and then both of us would say, Zoom. Oh, okay. So I have to reveal the next letter of my word. It's I. Z-I. So now I have like a lot more information to go on because I've gotten that second letter, but still am all out of Z words in my head. Z-I. Is it found on a tent? 
Yes, it is a zipper. Oh, yay. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and the great thing about contact is that you can play it with all different ages. You can make it as cerebral or as simple as you want to. I played this game with my sisters this weekend, and one of the words that they used was chamomile. Oh, wow. And it was so hard because you got to C-H-A, and y- you uh, you don't think of C-H as being a hard C sound, so it took a long time for people to guess that. Yeah, so you're thinking champion, charge. Charlemagne. Like I mean, anything, but not chamomile. <laughs> Tricky. So thank you, Lindsay and Dallin, for teaching me this game. We've had so much fun with it since we learned it from you. And we'll leave you today with a little bit of trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Mr. HDT. No, we decided no nicknames. He goes by the full enchilada. Okay, Henry David Thoreau. Do you want to read it? Since you read it at the beginning, I get to read it at the end. Yeah, this is a twofer quote. I love it. Yeah, twice in one episode. He said... It is the marriage of the soul with nature that makes the intellect fruitful and gives birth to imagination. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. The fourth type of YouTuber that backpackers can learn from. That yeah, that was good. <laughs> 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 Weasel in your throat or something. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> if you're not a history buck, a buff buck. What? <laughs> oh, you're right. Okay, sorry. I was wrong, <laughs> and you were right. That's my new song that I just made up. It starts with, oh, this is going to be too easy. Yeah, you've got it written down there, so I know. I'm using a different word. What? Yeah. What What word did I pick? Well, I don't know. Something that starts with an M. Well, it doesn't. (laughs) I picked a different word. Okay. Okay.